0: So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: When I met you in the Summer, Equity
2: mates. I will say this about investing: everything you do learns cumulative. What I learned at twenty is useful. Usually-
1: Welcome to the Equity Mates Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Sharesies. Over twelve episodes, we're diving into some of the most interesting, exciting, and well-known companies from here in Australia and the US. Each episode we're also joined by an expert to help us unpack the key metrics the bull case and the bear case for each company. My name is Bryce and as always I'm joined by my equity buddy Ren. How are
3: you going? I'm very good Bryce. Very excited for this episode. Absolutely.
1: Now I did say at the top that we're joined by an expert in each. This is the one and only episode in this series that we're not joined by an expert. So pressure's on us. We're unpacking Deer and Company.
3: Yeah, we'll be playing the expert, I guess. We'll be
1: playing the expert. It's a fascinating company, Deer and Co., listed over in the states, and you can get access to the states with the Sharesies platform. Proudly supporting Summer Series, two reasons we love Sharesies: the platform is easy and approachable, especially with Auto Invest, where you now can truly execute dollar cost averaging into US, Australian, and New Zealand shares. So all the markets are available. Pick an order. The amount you want to regularly invest and auto invest will place the buyers for you. You can choose a pre-made order or create your own DIY auto invest with companies or exchange traded funds listed in those three markets, Australia, US and New Zealand. If you would like to sign up, you can use the promo code GROW. Now, we don't get any kickback from this. There's no commercial agreement with us, but you do get $10 into your account ready to invest. Promo T's and C's apply. You can hit sharesies.com.au to learn more or download the Sharesies app today. Now, we are licensed, but uh, we're not aware of your personal circumstances. All info on this show is education and entertainment purposes only. Any advice is general advice. But Randir and company, in a sentence, what have we got? The apple of agriculture. Whoa. Hold on. The apple of agriculture. Anything more
3: to add? I think that really sums it up. No, nah,
1: uh, oh, it's a tech company.
3: So, well, yeah, they they, well, they position themselves as a tech company. So, I think uh, Deere is the leading maker of farm equipment and machinery. And when we say leading, we will talk about its competitors, but we do mean leading. Mm-hmm. But it, much like Apple, is trying to transition away from a hardware business. To a software and services recurring revenue business, it's just that Apple's hardware is beautifully designed music players and computers and phones. And hey, there's nothing
1: wrong with a John Deere tractor.
3: Well, uh, and Deere's uh, <laughs> Deere's hardware are tractors and combine harvesters and sprayers. Yeah. And the like.
1: I don't know which side of the fence you sit on, but I I think some of the farming machinery these days looks pretty swisho. So, uh,
3: <laughs> well, you are from Wagga, so... I
1: am. Technically the city of Wagga. Townie? Townie. Yeah. My parents do have farming roots, though. Dad was a farmer. Okay. It's not that that makes any difference for hey, me. <laughs> this is this is two
3: city boys talking farming.
1: <laughs> well, let's get stuck in. The history of Deer & Co. was started by John Deere in 1837. So that makes this... Company 185 years old. John Deere was a blacksmith and started making farm tools. You know, your pitchforks, your shovels, your plows. Their early innovation came uh, in the company when when they started uh, moving from making products once they were ordered to actually manufacturing the products in advance and then selling them, which started to give them that competitive edge. And in the 20th century, Deere became synonymous with the big gasoline-powered green tractors that you've, you might often see driving around in farm paddocks as you're driving between major capital cities here in Australia or over in the States. As, you you're, driving,
3: as you're driving between Wagga and Canberra?
1: Yes, Wagga and Coolam
3: and even Wren.
1: Uh, yeah. Today it is a $100 billion company with over 75,000 employees. So, uh, yeah, leading manufacturer of equipment and machinery in agriculture.
3: Now, uh, they've got a few key business lines. So, they've got production and precision ag, which is the big ag stuff, your tractors, your harvesters, your sprayers. Then they've got small ag and turf, which is... You know, your John Deere ride-on mowers yeah, and stuff yeah, like it. that. Yeah, a little bit smaller scale. I would
1: love a ride-on mower.
3: Yeah, so uh, <laughs> for people unfamiliar, Bryce's first ever business was Lesky's lawns. Yes. And ever since then, he has had an obsession with lawns <laughs> to the point where the, theory, the working theory is he only plays golf because it's the only <laughs> sport with manicured grass. There is an element of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um Big ag, small ag, and then construction and forestry.
1: Yeah. The big ag is the the bulk of their sales by segment, 41% of sales coming from that part of the business, 30, 30% then coming from their small ag and 29% from construction and forestry.
3: So they're a global business. 57% of their sales come out of the US and Canada, so North America, uh, 22% from Europe, 10% from Latin America and 11% from this is how they bucket it, Asia, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Middle East. Other. It's a big. Yeah. I want. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. There's a. There's a wide range of people in there. There are half the world is in that bucket.
1: Half the world is in that bucket. You mentioned at the top, Ren. Uh, are their, I guess, dominance over competitors. So, global business, but where are they sitting in terms of uh, market share in tractors and ag?
3: Yeah, so according to IBIS World, now we didn't pay for the reports, so. <laughs> it's bloody expensive. <laughs> yeah, but we uh, managed to pull out in the tractor and agricultural machinery market globally. Uh, John Deere, or sorry, Deere and Co have 43% of the market. Wow. So they're the biggest player. There are really other there there are really two other big players of note and then a number of smaller players. Both of them are house of brands. Now that means that they're a conglomerate with multiple brands rather than John Deere which is the Deere brand front and center. So John Deere, $133 billion market cap. The next biggest, CNH Industrial Case, you may have heard of, or New Holland. Yeah, Case, I know, and New Holland. Yeah. yeah. So that's a – it's an American-listed company, but it's actually controlled by an Italian family. Um, anyway, $22 billion market cap, also listed on the New York Stock Exchange. CNHI is the ticker. Some of the brands they have, Case, New Holland, Steyer, Miller, a few others. You're nodding.
1: Yeah, I know most of them. Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. And then the other one is Agco. Um, New York Stock Exchange as well, ticker AGCO, A-G-C-O. Uh, that's a $10 billion company. Some of the brands that it has, Challenger, Fent, Massey Ferguson, Valtra.
1: Less familiar with those. Yeah, well, it's a smaller company. Yeah. So,
3: But I think that if they're the big three in the space, $133 billion market cap, $22 billion market cap, $10 billion market cap. Deer is the 800-pound gorilla Giant. in the space.
1: Absolutely but killing them.
3: That's not really surprising to anyone. I no. feel like most people know that.
1: The business model for Deere has been interesting. You, you mentioned at the start there, Ren, they are now trying to position themselves or definitely moving more into this the space of uh, software and, and software as a service. But up until that point, so say before the past five years, you'd be looking at it, at it as a hardware play, an industrial-type company yep. that just sells products through networks.
3: Yeah, and... You would have looked at how many tractors and combine harvesters and everything it could sell. There would have been a little bit of recurring revenue from repairs and from the dealers, uh, but really this was a business selling hardware and you would have looked at where's its sustainable competitive advantage or its moat and you would have said in its dealer network mm. and you would have said it's. Uh, I think it's got more than 2,000 dealers in the US. I think it's got more than 5,000 worldwide and that was what Deere hung its hat on. Wherever you were- There's a deer. Mainly in the States, wherever you were in the States, there was a deer dealer near you. It was really competitive to become a a deer dealer, to become part of that network. And so you could charge a premium for it. People wanted your tractors because they knew they were the best. They knew they wouldn't break down. And so you had this brand moat, you had good dealers and you would sell. And we've got a clip from their CEO nine years ago, Sam Allen. And that's what he thought their competitive advantage was.
0: I'd like to say part of it is our our
1: 176 year history and some people would also say that can be an Achilles heel. But I do think our our values keep us uh, well grounded. Clearly one of our uh, competitive advantages is, is our great dealer network. And we're really good at developing dealers and strong dealers and it's a source of sustainable competitive advantage. We do a, a really good job focusing on productivity, uptime, and low, low total cost of ownership. That's our value proposition to the customer, and we try not to deviate from that.
3: And so, Bryce, five years ago, if we were looking at this company, we would have looked at it as an industrial, and we would have looked at it like a Boeing or a Caterpillar or, I don't know, like a Ford, and we would have said, how many big hunks of steel with paint on it can it sell? <laughs>
1: This is true. But ran two thousand the reason we're saying five years ago, because two thousand and seventeen was an inflection point for Deer where they really started to ramp up their tech stack with the acquisition of a company called Blue River Technology. Now, Blue River were a leader in applying machine learning to agriculture. Now, why is this important?
3: Because AI is going to eat the world. That's it. No, well, <laughs> Blue, Blue River were really leaders in computer vision, hmm. which is the eyes of machine learning. So, if you think about AI and machine learning as the brain, what we need to do to really enable machines like farm equipment is give them sensors, give them eyes give them smell, probably not smell.
1: <laughs> Touch and feel. Yeah. Uh,
3: you know, we're pretty good at making machines move. We've really nailed wheels. <laughs> yes. Bo- Boston Dynamics uh, really are... Uh, uh, really nailed wheels. <laughs> Boston Dynamics are pioneering legs and some of the things they're doing with robots is pretty cool. But giving machines eyes is really important when we're talking about this. And, you know, the classic example here is if you want to have an artificial intelligence sprayer and you only want it to spray pesticide when a plant actually needs it you need to give the machine some way to know if they need to spray if there's a weed there that needs spraying and this is this is where computer vision comes into play and Blue River were real leaders in this space Deer have acquired them and we'll talk about some of the products that we've seen rolled out in the past few years but Deer started to think about themselves as a technology company a little bit before this and you can see that you know Deere were on the forefront of some pretty basic technology in hindsight but mm. back in the day so like I've never driven a tractor before but apparently it's incredibly hard to drive a tractor straight, straight. in an yeah. open field yeah. which makes sense yeah and so you know they were on the forefront of basic guidance technology and stuff like that in like the late 90s early 2000s and they really built out their tech stack from there and we'll get into that But with Blue River Technologies acquisition in 2017 and some of the developments in the years since, Deere have really tried to reposition themselves as a technology company. The way they talk is as a technology company. They launched their smart industrial strategy in 2020. Mm. And now they're really trying to build out their software subscription revenue And so the way we have to analyze them sort of changes a little bit.
1: Mm. So the smart industrial strategy in 2020 came through. And then in 2021, they made another acquisition in Bear Flag Robotics, which was a self-driving tractor startup for $250 million. And subsequently that has led to this year the introduction of a self-driving tractor at the annual Consumer Electronics Show. Yes. There you go, Consumer Electronics. John Deere is showing up.
3: In (laughs) Consumer Electronics in Las Vegas is where the show is and there is nowhere more appropriate to launch a tractor <laughs> than in the middle of the Las Vegas Strip. <laughs> it's fascinating. But I think, I think it's, I mean, that was definitely a PR move, yeah. I think. Yeah. The, the day that they launched the self-driving tractor at the Consumer Electronics Show, their share price was up 6% on the day when the S&P 500 and uh, CNI Industrial were flat. So, you know, this, this was their play to get in front of people like you and I. City Boys. Hell yeah. Well it worked. It worked.
1: We did an episode unpacking it on the Dive, our business news podcast. So if you're looking for more information on the autonomous tractor, go and check that out. But Ren, you've been discussing the um, tech stack and it, it comes in sort of five components and has really been building since sort of early two thousand. The first component was their sort of hardware and software element. You know, you're talking integrated displays into tractors and and just sort of basic display mechanics, then guidance you've spoken about, helping tractors stay on track, I yeah. guess, auto path, helping them turn automatically. Then there was the connectivity and digital solutions um, part of their tech stack. That's allowing uh, farmers to open gates, turn on water supplies, you name it with... Their phones?
3: Yeah, and really to track a lot of things. This is like farm management systems,
1: yeah. So water levels in dams or whatever it may be, like moisture in soils, all those sorts of things. Then there's the automation and machine IQ, which was the um, acquisition we spoke about in 2017. That's Sea and Spray, which which Ren spoke about there. Um, And then now they're really building out fully autonomous tech stacks. So what this really is leading to is a fully autonomous, efficient farming landscape.
3: Yeah, and and I think it's important to think about... Because it's not like technology... I think it's important to put all of these technological developments on a broader timeline. Because the story of farming since deer was first created in the 1800s, it's integrating technology to become more efficient. And, you know, like from mechanical tractors to autonomous vehicles like it it is just one long continuum and it's all about becoming more resource efficient and being able to farm larger areas and it's a long and continuous story which deer just happens to be at the forefront of and have been at the forefront of for the last 150 years and so we get really excited about the end goal of imagine an autonomous farm and what that would look like that might be decades away, but there's still heaps of really interesting stuff happening now beyond the splashy, fully autonomous tractor that they launch at a consumer electronics show. One recent one that Deere have launched that I think gives people an insight into what integrating this technology into their hardware looks like today is C and Spray. So, this is traditionally, you would get a sprayer, uh, you would drive it through a field and you would spray pesticide on all crops because you had no way to figure out what crops needed it, what didn't. So the most efficient way to do it was just to spray everything. But deer have been developing sea and spray technology uh, and really integrating Blue River Technologies' computer vision so you can enable the machine to look at a crop as it's driving through a field, recognise if it needs to be sprayed with pesticide and then only spray those... Crops that need it.
1: Think about the speed it must need to do that. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah.
3: So Deer launched maybe a couple of years ago now, Sea and Spray Select, which was green on brown. So it could it was color detecting technology, and it could recognize green weeds on brown fields. So fallow ground where nothing's planted. When you're when you're preparing a field to plant, you could drive. A sprayer through with this technology, it could see a weed and it would spray, but it wouldn't spray the whole field. So there, you're you're using less pesticide than you would otherwise, which is saving you money um, and hopefully increasing efficiency as well, getting the same result. That's great. But then they've launched See and Spray Ultimate, I think late last year, earlier this year, which is green on green. So now the technology can actually detect the difference between a weed and a, and a crop. crop. And so it's been used on corn, soybean, cotton, and the company report it's reduced herbicide use by up to 80%. It can recognize the difference. Wow. It's pretty cool.
1: Wow, that is amazing.
3: And so then they talk about how they do it. So across the boom, which is big arms of a sprayer, I guess you'd call it, there are multiple cameras using this computer vision technology that's plugged in with their machine learning software to recognize plants and to distinguish weeds from crops. And then they automatically activate the sprayer nozzles all within 200 milliseconds. There are 36 cameras mounted across this boom. So they're covering more than 195 square meters at once. And then all that data is also being fed back into the farm management system. The John Deere Operations Center is what they call it that data is building like a weed map yeah. and shows you weed density and allows you to then analyse and make decisions based on that as well. Amazing. It's pretty cool.
1: It is amazing, yeah.
3: Two, boy, God, two city boys, city boys ex- talking farming. God, it must be expensive.
1: <laughs> but Ren, Deer aren't the only ones doing this. Some of their major competitors are playing catch-up in the in the tech space. Agco in September 2021 acquired Faramatics. Uh, they're a, far, a farm robotics and automation company uh, with Precision livestock farming aspects to the business. But in 2021, Precision Planting, interestingly, a company that Agco acquired at the same time that Deer acquired Blue River in 2017, they announced an agreement to acquire uh, Creative Sites Media, which is a software and app development company, I'm imagining to start combining all these areas of the business together. And then Case New Holland also in 2021 acquired Raven to improve their autonomous and precision agricultural capabilities. So it's all happening. Yeah. It is all happening.
3: So Bryce, let's take a break and then let's get to the key numbers and then we'll play the expert and we'll talk about the bull case the bear case and what the future holds
1: love it well the new uh, DEER is listed on the New York Stock Exchange the ticket is DE and you can access the US stock market plus the Australian and New Zealand markets on the Sharesys platform with no investment minimum you can use promo code GROW when you sign up to the Sharesys platform for $10 in your account ready to invest we don't have any kickbacks from that it is publicly available for anyone to use this is not product advice and investing comes with risk promotion T's and C's apply but we will
0: Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: All right, Ren. So let's have a look at the numbers. Market cap of $133 billion up 29% year to date. Incredible (laughs) outperformance. S&P 500 is down 20% year to date. This It's an amazing story. Yeah. But not only that, it is up almost 200% over the past five years.
3: Yeah. So, if we turn to its revenue, $48 billion in revenue. Five years ago, that was $26 billion. So, it's up about 85% in the past five years, um, which is really impressive. If we turn to its profit, $7 billion in profit. Five years ago, $2.2 billion in profit. So up about 223% in the past five years. Now, if we just pause there for a moment, five years ago, it made $26 billion in revenue and made $2.2 billion in profit off that. So it's about what? A bit under 10% profit margin. Yeah. Now, f- five years later, $48 billion in revenue, $7.1 billion in profit. So that's about a 15% profit margin. Yeah. So... It's growing its revenue and improving its profit margin at the same time.
1: you love to see that.
3: So we're seeing some good signs from this business. And as
1: a result, the share price is booming. Yes. So we're going to play expert. I'll, uh, I'll sit on the equity mate side. You'll sit on the expert side and we're going to have a look at key metrics. We're going to have a look at bull case, bear case, and then what the future looks like for autonomous farming and deer. So as always, we've got to start with key metrics. Where are we at?
3: Now that we're talking about Deer as a software business, we're not looking at things like machines sold or dealership numbers, although those are important. The two most important metrics when you're looking at the new and improved technology-enabled Deer are connected machines and engaged acres.
1: So connected machines, I assume, is how many machines actually are now getting the tech connected
3: correct yeah yeah yeah. so it's it's all about in the same way that apple cares about how many iphones are in the field because they can sell us shit like icloud subscriptions yeah Deer care about how many tractors are out there hooked up to their technology because they can sell autopath and C and Spray. well and then how many sprays are out there so they can sell C and Spray? yeah um so, yeah, they're currently at 440,000 connected machines. By 2026, so not too far away, four years, th- well, three years now, they want to be at 1.5 million connected Whoa, machines. they want to be
1: putting on an extra million yeah. in the next four years. Yeah, three years. Three years.
3: That's number one, connected machines. And really that is because if they're a connected machine, they're a vehicle to sell an ongoing subscription to. Yeah. So that's one. Number two is engaged acres and that is how many fields are hooked up to their, it's called John Deere Operations Centre, but it's like their farm management system, have sensors, they're tracking and collecting data. They're currently at 315 million engaged acres and they want to get to 500 million by 2026.
1: Would we be assuming that of their three segments, what a, construction and forestry, small ag and then big ag, let's just call it that, Yeah. the big ag was at 40% of sales or, yeah. or whatever it was, you would imagine that this starts to become more and more of a penetrating in terms of group sales. Like is the, it f- feels like a lot of the technology here is really leaning into that, the production and precision of farm tech.
3: Yeah. You, so it's definitely their fastest growing segment. In Q4, that grew up 59%. Revenue grew up 59% in production and precision ag big ag as we're calling it, small ag and turf grew at 26%, construction and forestry grew at 20%, and then financial services grew at 2%. Yeah. So that's definitely their fastest growing division. It's a, the main one we've analysed. I think if you know if we were having a conversation about construction equipment, we would be talking about a whole different competitive set. We'd mm, be talking mm. about Caterpillar, Komatsu, mm. and deer being, I would say, smaller. Forestry, I think they do a K in... Um, small ag and turf they're strong I think a lot of the technology they would trickle down
1: where I was going with that is probably in the next question is that that part of the business would really form the bull case for
3: this company I would imagine given that I'm playing the expert yes (laughs) but like you might you might get another expert uh who says they're technology is going to disrupt Caterpillar and True. they're going to become yeah. number one in construction as well as farming. Like you, there, there's plenty of ways to make a bull case. So
1: are there any other metrics that you'd keep an eye on? We've so, got connected machines and engaged acres. I just want
3: it so just for context. So engaged acres currently at 315 million. From what I could find the next biggest in terms of farm management systems, uh, there's a company climate field view field view is a software they have about 200 million acres i think they're about second okay so in terms of the amount of machines they're number one in terms of the amount of acres uh, in terms of the amount of fields this they're tracking they're number one so they've got a real head start in this space now and they don't really split it out in an helpful way in their financials but if you wanted to then look at what matters there it's What's their revenue per connected machine? What's their revenue per engaged acre? How does that change over time? You know, are they cross-selling? Are they? Is the average revenue per user increasing? But I couldn't find that number, those numbers when I was looking.
1: And so do they have subscription at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, right. So it's not just a, a one hit, you buy, see and spray and the tech is there and then an upgrade comes but your uh, so there's elements of you have to subscribe month on month to get access to this software
3: yeah yeah so let's let's move to the bull case because i've got some notes on it there yep all right what is the bull case then <laughs> <laughs> it's much of what you said it's an ecosystem play and the operating leverage that comes from a software business so so let's start with the ecosystem side of it and then get to the subscriptions spreaders for fertilisers, tractors to plant, sprayers to spray your crops, harvesters to actually harvest the fully grown crops, all different pieces of machinery. And in theory, you could have all bought them from different companies. You could have had a New Holland harvester and a deer tractor. And as long as you knew how to use both of them, in theory, you were all good. But more and more as software becomes important, as farm management systems become important, as platforms to aggregate data become important, you're not going to want to have different equipment because you're going to want all that data feeding into one system and you're going to want one set of software to be able to control it all. So in the same way that we've seen Apple's ecosystem become a real moat for them, we're going to see the same in other forms of equipment and in this case in agricultural equipment and so deer with the leadership position with the head start in software they have a chance to really own like lock people into their ecosystem and then they can build switching costs because then all of a sudden you're not just going from a deer tractor to a new holland tractor you're going from a deer operating system to a new Holland operating system. You've got to replace all your equipment. But importantly, you probably lose a lot of historic data mm, as well. Mm. And so th- you can build incredibly high switching costs if you can lock people into a hardware and software ecosystem compared to just selling them hardware. So that's number one.
1: Nice. So we know what happened to the Apple share price once uh, investors got a whiff of uh, increasing revenue coming from subscription <laughs> So, um, do John Deere have targets for subscription revenue? Well,
3: this, this comes number two. So, if you lock people into the ecosystem, then you can sell them services, subscriptions, and importantly, then you can cross-sell them more and more as well. And so, Deere, you, you asked, do they have a target? They do have a target. They're aiming for 10% of their sales, their revenue, to come from recurring services revenue. Subscription revenue mm-hmm. rather than hardware sales by twenty thirty, so ten oh, percent okay. so they're it's not a big part of their business now yeah forty eight billion in revenue, so if they're aiming for ten percent, you know hopefully that revenue number grows, but they're thinking like between what five and six billion dollars in subscription revenue by twenty thirty still a lot of tractors yeah, signed so, up. yeah so but I guess they're also still very reliant on hardware sales by yeah. twenty thirty so if you're building a model of this business you're relying on them to keep selling hard to keep selling hardware in the same way you're relying on apple to keep selling iPhones
1: so 10% it feels moderate to be honest i don't know it it, it either you know if, it, if they shoot that uh, overshoot that then investors are going to love it where where does that sit relative to you know apple who's probably a bit further down the track in terms of their percentage of revenue coming from this subscription model? So in
3: 2021, Apple had 22% of their revenue from services. So from Apple TV, Apple Music, Apple Arcade, all of those monthly subscriptions, iCloud, all of that. Now the estimates are their gross margin in their services business is between 65 and 70%. Wow. And you compare that to Deere's gross margins of, I think about 20% in 2022. The operating leverage that you can build in your business is pretty high and what we mean by that is operating leverage the higher your operating leverage the more of each incremental dollar you make flows directly down to the profit line Mm. so it doesn't get eaten up in cost of doing business or, or anything else and so for a company like apple you sell the phone once but then for each incremental subscription you can sell you have really high operating leverage there because there's not heaps more costs for Apple to add another Apple TV subscriber. So that revenue that they get from when Bryce signs up goes straight to their profit line because mm. they've already made the content, they've already built the system and they just want to get more subscribers. In theory, that's what Deer does as well. They sell the tractor once, they've built a whole bunch of different software to sell and then they, each additional piece of software they sell flows Almost directly down to their profit line. That's so operating. Leverage. So
1: their margins aren't quite reflective at the moment of a tech company.
3: No, <laughs> their margins are right in the world of large-scale industrials. <laughs> yeah. Uh, net, so not gross, but net margins. They're about fifteen percent. We were saying earlier. Ford is about fifteen. Oh, sorry, fourteen percent. Uh, Caterpillar about twelve and a half percent, so they're they're right in that ballpark. Yeah, I tried to pull Boeing as well, but Boeing made a loss last year, so Ow. couldn't pull that.
1: So the bull case uh, revolves around its ecosystem, uh, you know, building that operating leverage and uh, and increasing recurring services revenue, uh, sort of through to two thousand and
3: thirty. Just to put a bow on bull before we go to bear, I think what you'd be looking at is those key metrics connected machines engaged acres as those increase what that is doing to incremental revenue and trying to figure out a revenue per additional acre and revenue per additional machine until deer actually report on some of that stuff you'll have to do the work yourself and then looking at profit per incremental acre profit per incremental machine and then you can start to look at the difference between the two and start to figure out well what's the operating leverage here and you know, for the last five years, profit has grown meaningfully faster than revenue. Mm. The bull case would hinge on that trend continuing.
1: Mm. Well, that's the bull. Now we've got to turn to the bear case because, uh, well, always important to think about the bear case. And this one revolves around competition.
3: I think the innovator's dilemma is the basis for the bear case here. So are you familiar with it? No. It's like it was... A- a pretty groundbreaking book but it's, it, it spoke about why large companies that invest huge sums of money in research and development often still get disrupted by new players and you know companies that try and stay on the forefront of technology but they still are unable to innovate and keep up with the market and they get disrupted and time and time again in industry after industry we see that that big companies established players invest billions of dollars in R&D and they still get disrupted.
1: Yeah, right.
3: And so the question is why? Uh, And there's a number of reasons and it's a good book but for the purposes of this story with Deer and the bear case, it's often because they're really set in their ways and it's really hard even if you're investing and researching new technology, it's really hard to turn a company and focus it on the new thing and like the most recent example of that would be... um, electric vehicles and how hard it has been for established car companies to make that switch because in reality, there's so much working capital, so much knowledge and expertise, so much experience tied up in the old way of doing things. You could say the same for deer; Like they are trying to integrate technology into their existing way of doing things. They're Mm. not trying to radically change Mm. the way farming is done. They're just trying to take the farmer out of the seat of the tractor or out of the seat of the combine harvester and replace it with a computer. But the question is, is there a better way to do these things? And if there is, will it be deer that comes up with it? Yeah. Is there a different way to integrate technology into farms? Is there a better way to farm outside of just replacing a farmer with a computer? And if that the answer to that question is yes, the bear case would hinge on deer not being the one to come up with it because, sure, they might be trying to get 10% of their revenue by 2030 from services, but 90% is still selling big hunks of steel. (laughs) So that's number one. And, like, for example, we spoke about sea and spray earlier. There are nine other companies that from a research report we could find, nine other companies in the smart spraying space with several of them commercialising products that – have computer vision and can do this green on green spraying where they can set where they have the artificial intelligence to separate crop from weed and only spray weeds. So it's not like Deer is out here alone doing this, there are plenty of other companies in the space. So, so that for the first part of the bear case. Yeah, you're right. Competition and the innovators dilemma.
1: And then the second part, Ren, could uh, revolve around what is known as the right to repair movement.
3: Yes. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. So this isn't unique to Dia, but Dia are like- Right in the thick of it. Right (laughs) in the thick of it. Uh, The quote unquote free the tractor movement. Yeah. So basically as more and more companies integrate software into their hardware, be it Washing machines with internet of things, connected devices, Apple with their wall garden ecosystem or Deer with their internet of tractors, connected devices. These companies are really protective over their software Mm. and they don't want people to be able to access it and use it. And they also don't want people to be able to repair their hardware. You know, like as soon as you break your iPhone screen and you take it to uh, repair it in the shops, you void the warranty. Yeah. Yeah. So... The right to repair basically says this is unfair that technology companies are doing this and we should have – once we pay for a product, we should have the ability to change it, to repair it without having to pay exorbitant amounts Hmm. of going to an Apple shop or a deer authorized dealer. At a hacker convention earlier this year – Deer's smart tractor software was jailbroken as like a big demonstration of it can be done and there are right to repair laws coming. So in the EU, I think they were first announced in 2020. In the UK, I think there was something similar introduced in 2021. There is a movement not specific to agriculture but generally around the right to repair. The question when we're thinking about this as an investment is if Deer is pinning its hopes to expensive software subscriptions, locking people into the ecosystem, making them use dear authorised dealers to get repairs. Is that model going to be disrupted by new laws that say you can go to any farm supply dealer to get repairs or you can sideload third-party software and use other farm management systems rather than John Deere's operations center you know can that can you upload that data somewhere else and use someone else's software like those are the questions that will get asked if this movement picks up yeah because then it might be well they have great tractors but their software is second rate and a pure play software company might come into the space and integrate so I guess that's the question. It's probably, you probably wouldn't make it a core part of your bear case now. It would be the watch out because, like, you'd have to adjust your assumptions. Yeah. There.
1: Yeah. Nice. So, bull case, bear case. This is an exciting one to think about from the point of view of where does it look and where does it land in 10 years' time? If it does hit its engaged acres, if it's connected equipment, if it gets that recurring services revenue what is deer in 10 years yeah
3: look we're only playing experts so i'm not gonna say that i've done the financial modeling i would say bigger (laughs) but i think in terms of the way deer talk about what farming could look like in 10 years they think that most straight line crops in america will be farmed autonomously yeah i'd be um in the next 10 years and so you know that's rows of soybeans, rows of corn being farmed by their machinery, by farmers that spend more time sitting in front of a computer than they do sitting on a tractor and that are all paying dear monthly recurring revenue for that. They also see a lot of opportunity to extend into other verticals and one that you read a lot about these days is There are a whole bunch of agronomy businesses that essentially give consulting services to farmers and, you know, they test soil and they make recommendations about what you should do to certain fields to make sure there's enough nutrients in the soil, all of that stuff, what should be planted where um, and deer think that they can really crack into that space with all the data that they're collecting, they can start making those recommendations. It's not just about having software in their machines for farmers, but it's then about like how else can they extend into other parts of the farming economy and how, how else can they provide value to farmers with this just massive amount of data that they're collecting on these farms. Mm.
1: Yeah. Fascinating business, though the autonomous tr- tractors don't come cheap. I think the latest figure was half a million dollars for the one that was uh, released at the
3: it's a business uh, expense, massive <laughs> business expense.
1: <laughs> but um, love it, Ren. Thank you for playing expert. Um, it's Emphasis f- on playing. Playing, yes. It was. It's a, it is a fascinating company. One that uh, we've had on the radar for a while. We have unpacked it on the uh, the dive, our business news show. So go and check that out.
3: And if we we should say, if someone thinks they could have played expert better than us,
1: yeah, please uh, reach out. We
3: tried to find an expert in Australia or anyone overseas who would talk to us. Be an expert here. It doesn't feel like many Australian investors are interested in it, this company.
1: It was hard to find, so we would love to hear from an expert uh, to talk about this, maybe in the new year as well. So I'd
3: also love to do a deep dive on some of these other industrials. Like Caterpillar is one that I find like a fascinating company. Mm. It's like these industrial players that have such a stranglehold on their industry. Share, yeah, yeah, they have so much market. Yeah, so much market share in huge industries. Yeah, they're just fascinating. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll leave that for Summer Series 2020. Three to four potentially (laughs) (laughs) 24 but uh, that brings us to the end of our episode thank you to Sharesies for supporting Equity Mate Summer Series 2023 Uh, if you'd like more information uh, head to sharesies.com.au or download the Sharesies app uh, if you if you want to sign up to the Sharesys platform, you can use the code GROW. We don't get any commission from that. It is publicly available, but you do get $10 into your account ready to invest. Promo T's and C's apply. But Ren, we'll leave it there and uh, we'll be picking it up next episode. Sounds good. equity mates media operates under an australian financial
0: services license 540697 selling a little or a lot